Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and I am very pleased to be able to sit down today with Dr. Robert Glover, the author of No More Mr. Nice Guy. I have my own copy right here. Hey, man, that's a nice looking book you got there. Yeah, man. I actually, <laughs> This is one of the first books I read maybe 10 years ago when I started on my journey of self-awareness to, uh, to level up in both my romantic and social life. So uh, thank you for your work. It's meant a lot to me personally. I know it's helped a lot of guys uh, all over the world. So I'm, I'm personally excited to have you on and I think it's a great fit for the channel. So welcome. Well, thanks for the invitation. It's good to be here and uh, let's have fun. Let's do it. Now, I assume that a lot of my audience is going to be familiar with your work, but just so that we get all on the same page, tell me what is a nice guy and what's so bad about it. <laughs> What's so bad about it? All right. A nice guy is basically is a guy who doesn't believe he's just okay as he is. And this is an, an emotionally internalized belief, usually dating back to early childhood, where he believes he has to become what he thinks other people want him to be, to be liked and loved and get his needs met and hide anything about himself that might cause anybody to have a negative reaction. I see. Okay. That's interesting because one of the episodes I made a while back is called Most Men Are Romantics. And I talk about how the most prevalent male romantic belief is I should be loved just for who I am. And that might sound like it runs a little counter to what you just yeah. described. And do you, have, do you have a comment about that? Uh, we could, I could go a couple directions with that. I should be loved just as I am. Here's the deal. We'll start something off here. We could run with this uh, sure. a ways, I'm sure. I don't believe love's ever found externally. That's part of the problem, mm -hmm. is that we believe if I want to be loved, I got to go find it somewhere else. And, wow. and, you know, culturally, you know, Women are taught you go get it from a guy and guys are taught you go get that from a woman, you know, and, and, you know, unless, unless we're not heterosexual and then just, you know, shift it to whatever our opposite sex is. But I think it is probably one of the greatest causes of human suffering that we go looking for love outside of ourselves, because I don't know about you. In my experience, I've never been consistently loved by even the people who claim to love me. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can piss them off. They can fall out of love with me. And so anytime we go searching for love outside ourselves, we're, we're asking for a difficulty and problem. And I think that's why so many relationships don't work. We go into them with this illusion. Oh, this person likes me. He wants to be with me. I finally found love. They're going to love me forever. And everything's going to be great. Now, here's another problem. If we don't already internally feel particularly lovable, here's a couple of problems. We won't let anybody love us more than we already love ourselves. whatever. If we put that on a scale of one to 10, I love myself a six. Well, that's as much as we'll ever let anybody love us. It is six because we won't believe anybody could love us more than what we love ourselves. And most of us probably don't love ourselves at a six. The second problem is we can't love anybody else more than we love ourselves. It's, it's just impossible to be more loving to others than you are to you. Now we may give more to other people. We may, you know, create a codependent relationship with other people, but that's not love. That's 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 borrowed functioning. That's giving to get. That's manipulation. That's I'll mm. give to you so that you'll love me. So it's, sure. it's the covert contracts I talk about. You know, more Mister Nice Guy. So 
there's, I think that the issue that we got to start with is how do we learn to love ourselves and see ourselves as love? And if we don't believe we're lovable, we're not going to let people love us and we're not going to let people see the real us, which that's actually how people kind of get a chance to love us is they see the real us. And again, we won't love anybody more than we love ourselves. And the people around us will go, you know, uh, how, how come I don't feel all that loved by you? Well, we only love, you know, uh, I, I used to be religious. I have two degrees in religion. So without going down that road, you know, it's interesting. You know, we've all heard about kind of the, the golden rule and, and Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And we say that a lot, but I don't think we ever actually pull that apart and say, what is the standard of love for others? Your neighbor's referring to anybody out there. When he said, love your neighbor as yourself, he said, self-love is the standard of all love. And he just said that, like, everybody's going to understand that. It'll make sense. <laughs> but here we're talking about, well, how do we get other people to love us? You don't. You love you. And my experience is the more you love you, the more you tend to attract people who act loving towards you. Now, I can get behind everything that you just said. In fact, I made an episode a long time ago about the golden rule and suggested that another way to interpret that is less a commandment for moral action and more an observation on reality with an implied subject, as in love your neighbor as you love yourself could also be interpreted as you love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's just the the reality of the situation. It, and, it, and it could also be love yourself. It could be. Um, so I... I agree with all of that. I also had a mentor tell me once, and I think it's a good observation, is that you can't technically feel another person's love. You can only feel your own love coming out of you for others. And I think that might dovetail nicely with what you just said. So I agree with everything you just said about love. I think that's wonderful. Oh, come on. We're not going to have fun if you agree with Well, everything. I'm not. So I'm going to push back good, a little bit good. more, which is, um, let's go back to I'm this idea that I should be loved just for who I am. What if you're unattractive to women just as you are? You're going to be unattractive to some women just as you are. But it's also, what is your basis of attraction? One of the things I found, well, let me come, come at this with still two ways. One of the, one of the piece about this, you know, looking for love outside of ourself. Um, one of my uh, certified coaches wrote a book recently called uh, Sipping Fear, Pissing Confidence. And it's, it's written, it's great, great book, amazing book, written from a point of dealing with addiction for men. But he covers a lot of stuff. But there's a line in there when I was listening to the audio book. He said, a man doesn't mature until he quits seeking the love of a woman. And that hit me is so true because what what are we out there trying to find a substitute mommy to come love us because we don't love ourselves all that much? Yeah. And I thought that really is true. As long as we're seeking love from a woman as a guy, we're we're in an immature state. You know, it's love me, love me. Think I'm good looking enough to be attracted to, you know, love me enough to want to have sex with me. And all of that is putting all of our internal power in the hands of somebody else. Okay, so, so there, there's, there's one piece of it, but let's bring it back to that whole attractiveness. What if I'm not attractive enough to attract women? Um, most men get it wrong, what's attractive to women. Now, you know, I don't know. I'm sure studies have been done on attractiveness. I, I don't know how to even define, you know, what, what defines what you're attracted to in another person. 
it might be some physical traits. It might be some emotional traits. It might be some energetic traits. It might be personality, it might be behaviors, it might be all of the above. It might be based on your relationship with your mother and your third grade girlfriend. I don't know. I honestly do not know how to figure out why I'm attracted to what I'm attracted to. Now, I do know I'm highly attracted to unhappily married women. I do know that. You know, has not, has nothing to do with their physical features. I just know that my first love object was an unhappily married woman. And, you know, I, 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 I'm highly drawn to, I can fix that. I can fix that. I can make that better. <laughs> uh, so so I, I've learned to watch that one. Right? I've learned to pay attention to it. But like my wife will accuse me. You were looking at that woman. What kind of woman are you attracted to? Are you attracted to this or that? And women always ask guys, what kind of women are you attracted to? And I'll go, I guess ones that treat me nice. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not like, oh, I'm attracted to blondes or tall or short or curly hair. Um, I think that's just too too simplistic. And when men start trying to figure out what women are attracted to, women are attracted to drug dealers, to men in prison, to, to short guys, to porn stars, to, you know, pro athletes, to, to, you know, saints, you know, I don't know. So whatever a man thinks is what makes a woman attracted to a man, he's almost always going to be wrong because I, you know, I always thought, well, if I didn't like have the nice square jaw, full head of hair, you know, if I didn't have the proverbial alpha, you know, look to me, I thought I would not be physically attractive to women. And then when women started telling me, oh, you have kind eyes. Oh, I love your kissable lips. Oh, I love your hands. I mean, what the fuck? What is it about my hands that some woman would find attractive? But women have told me that. Now, was it probably more than my hands? Was it probably more than my kind eyes? Was it, I don't know. Now, I, I have some theories that in general, what women in general find attractive. But again, if a man tries to figure out, well, if I just be this, do that, that'll make women attract me. Well, I'm being that, doing that, and they don't seem to be attracted to me. Therefore, I must not be attractive. Mm -hmm. Again, that's basing, you know, okay, women in general want to have sex with me or don't want to have sex with me. That's going to determine my worth, my value, my attractiveness. Again, that's a real fragile um, measuring stick of our worth and our lovability. Okay. I buy all of that. And I have a whole chapter about this in my upcoming book on sexual marketplace value. And I do think that- I, I have... love that chapter. That's a great chapter, Tyler. <laughs> I do think that we culturally have, let's say- archetypes for male and female beauty of and course. that the more a man or a woman accords with those biologically informed and culturally influenced standards the higher a person's attractiveness is but absolutely no man is attractive to all women no woman is attractive to all men and ultimately what it comes down to is perceived sexual marketplace value because even though all other things being equal this person might be more attractive to more people if his let's say normalized sexual marketplace value is higher. It all comes down to the point of transaction with that person that you're dealing with and people very wild, wildly with respect to their tastes uh, in partners and in the bedroom. Um, attraction. Oh, yes. So about what you said, as long as men are trying to become attractive in order to get women, in order to get laid, they're already they've already kind of lost because they've given their power away. I can agree with yeah. that, but I think that's a tough sell. I think men kind of have to be 
catfished into self-development. I think in the beginning, <laughs> it has to be because it's the strongest motivation in the world for a guy is to want to get laid. And only as he starts to level up and maybe take care of his lifestyle and his fashion and his wealth and his game, does he realize, oh, this is inherently rewarding and this is good for me. But I, I don't I, think he I'm gets there first. I'm laughing because I, 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 I do agree with that in general that, you know, I've, I've written a couple of books, one dating essentials for men, the other one dating essentials for men frequently asked questions. And um, I say in the book, I say, this book is a dating book. I'm calling it a dating book because you want to learn how to date and you want to get laid. The truth is, it's how to expand your social and emotional intelligence book. That's really what it's going to teach you. The motivation is you want to attract women and you want to have a girlfriend, you want to get laid. Um, but I'm going to teach you how to do some things that are going to increase the odds of doing that. And, and it really is by teaching men how to expand their social and emotional intelligence that I believe makes them more generally attractive. Um, I, I, I'll give you just a couple of thoughts, kind of a foundation for how, how I tend to approach it. I'll give you one example. I, I just started reading a book last night. I got in bed, got my Kindle out, and I thought, all right, I'm tired of reading self-improvement books, business books, marketing books. So I pulled up a fiction book that I had um, just on a whim downloaded a month or so ago. Um, it's, I think it's called The Little Liar by Mitch Alba. And it's, it's written during um, uh, Nazi World War II. And, and the book kind of starts out with some, some people on a Nazi train being taken to a death camp. And then it then it, it segues into a commentator in the book is truth. And truth is talking to us. And, and truth is the personification of, of you know truth. And truth even says that anybody who is truthful is immediately more attractive. I'm, I'm probably not quoting it exactly, but it gave a reference to this very physically attractive young boy but because he was truthful, everybody was attracted to him. And he said, very few people, truth say, very few people are actually truthful. So I, you know, I can take that, that I think there are energetic and emotional dynamics that create far more powerful attraction than the shape of your nose, size of your jaw, the venus of your body that, that, that your perceived market value do those things help yeah they help in terms of triggering uh, uh, a chemical reaction in a woman's brain that you know evolution put in there you know that guy's fit he's strong he can take care of me of course that stuff is there it doesn't hurt but what what is it about those people that don't have those features but yet even as men we're drawn to them we like their energy. We like how we feel around them. We like listening to them. We, we feel comfortable engaging with them. What are those features? And those features work with women. And, you know, one of the things that I say, and, and um, uh, whenever I say this to like a woman coach, like if I'm, if I'm being interviewed by a woman, and I, and I say, you know, I found that the feminine, and I'll just speak of the feminine as an energetic state. Um, so whether it's women, you know, dogs, cats, babies, adventure, money, opportunity. The feminine is highly attracted. We just lost something. We did? What happened? Oh, on my end, my screen went. All right. Must have been a Zoom thing or a screen. Looks thing. like I'll... we're still recording. We're good. Okay. We're good. I'll back up. Feminine. <sighs> Take a breath. The feminine. 
So I say the feminine is highly attractive. Now, feminine, I mean, women, dogs, cats, babies, money, adventure, opportunity is highly attractive to a man who is comfortable in his own skin, knows where he's going, and he looks like he's having a good time going there. <laughs> I'll say that to women coaches, and you know, I got the chuckle out of you, and the women go, they, they sigh. Ah, yeah, yeah. And, and because, you know, they're used to, you know, working with men. Usually these women coaches are usually coaching men. And the men come in because they watch enough shit on the internet from all the pickup guys and all the dating gurus that basically says you need this line, you need these physical features, you need this alpha behavior, you need this thing, you need that thing. And and all these guys, none of them actually get comfortable in their own skin. Kind of going back to that self-love thing. You know, I like me. Uh, I like my life. I like how I live it. I'm comfortable living it on my terms. You know, using a psychological term, I'm differentiated. You know, I, I, I show up, live my life. I have internal locus of control, another psychological term. That, in general, is highly attractive to outsiders, men and women. And I think if men can go to work on those pieces and quit worrying about judging themselves of are they do they have six pack abs do they have enough hair are they young enough do they have you know the the v features of their body i think when a guy quits worrying about that shit and goes about living his life on his terms all of a sudden he notices all these really good things start coming to me i don't have to make it happen i agree with all that at the end but i don't know if i can sign off on people find the truth attractive. I think if people really found the truth attractive, the world would look very different than it does today. Well, I, 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 I agree with that, but tell you what, test this. Go look, go, go out in public and watch a couple that's obviously been together for a while in public, husband and wife. And the, the ones who look the most bored, the most distracted, the most on their phones, the most disinterested, I promise you, that's a couple that quit telling each other the truth a long time ago. I have an episode coming out on this next the, week. Absolutely. The truth is never boring. It's the never boring. Truth is That's never right. boring. And I tell you what, women are not attracted to boring men. And as soon as a man starts repressing his truth, who am I? What do I think? What do I feel? What do I want? Where am I going? And trying to do whatever it is he thinks is going to attract a woman, he's repressed his own inner truth. And now all of a sudden, he's going to be inherently boring. So again, does truth make people inherently attractive? How about, I, I, that was just a quote from the book, but is 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 more along the lines of, is in, I think, our energetic states that make us the most attractive. So if you do not withhold your truth, because like, for example, in, in Dating Essentials for Men, you know, and, and when I talk with guys, I'll say, listen, the thing that will make you most interesting and attractive to women is be yourself. And guys go, well, that doesn't seem to be working out so well so far. <laughs> you know, being who I am doesn't seem to be turning many, very many women on. And I'll go, how many women, how many people do you even let you see the real you? How many people know how much you look at pornography? How, 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 how many people know, you know, how, how much you dislike yourself? Or how insecure you are? Or how many people do you let actually see your th those things about you? And the truth is, nobody. We don't let anybody see that shit. And you know what I found for me, when I started dating in my late 40s and early 50s, I had what I considered unprecedented success. 
Women were coming on to me. They were getting naked on first dates. They were propositioning me. Majority of them were significantly younger than me. And I wasn't trying. I wasn't chasing them. I've since my second marriage, I've never tried to get a woman to have sex. And, and I never had a shortage of sex. And I thought, what planet have I landed on? I wasn't getting better looking. I, you know, I, I didn't have more money. I filed bankruptcy after my, my second marriage. I, you know, so I was broke. But the thing that I think turned women on and men as well was I was authentic. I was real. I didn't hold anything back. I was playful. I was fun. I didn't give a shit. And, and so I took risks. And I, think and that's I, and I could one. be vulnerable. That seemed to be really attractive to people. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm going, man, I'm getting a lot of dates. Guys are saying, tell us what to do. You know, I, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of being out there being myself. I think now, the indifference is key, Robert, because the vulnerability is often a double-edged sword. I was told that women wanted men who were vulnerable and emotionally intelligent and whatnot. And in my teens and early 20s, I often would share a lot of my deep, dark yeah. uh, insecurities. And uh, let me tell you, did not have the intended effect. But maybe that is because I was still doing so out of a, a covert contract in the sense of like, if I do this, then I will be rewarded with sex and a relationship. And that's certainly not true. And because you were still doing what you thought was going to make women attracted to you. Yeah, exactly. Right? You were still following a scheme because you, you, someone told you, oh, this will make you attractive to women. Oh, I will do more of that. And uh, all, all you found out is that, you know, women kind of saw you as needy and insecure. Yeah, that's now, pretty much what Vulnerability happened. doesn't mean you turn every woman into your therapist, your emotional tampon. I mean, that's not what we're talking about. I, I'll, get, I'll give you an example, a today example. You mentioned you're getting over a, a flu, a cold. And, uh, and, I, and I mentioned, yeah, this week I, I had something just knocked me out. I don't know what, felt like allergies, but I, like, I just slept all last Monday. And today's Thursday, so I'm kind of getting back at it. And I, I usually am up early, but I slept in, so I didn't get up with my wife and take the dog walking. So this morning we're walking the dog. And I just shared with my wife, and she's not who I go to for my emotional work. I have plenty of guy friends in my life that I do that emotional work with. But she does need to know, in general, what's up with me. You know, I, I, don't, I don't withhold that from her. But so we're walking the dog, and I, I said, you know, I, th I think I'm a little depressed. I said, I've just felt no energy, no ganas, which is in Spanish. My wife's Mexican. No ganas, no, no drive. And, um, and she kind of got quiet. I thought, you know that's when they'd say, oh, don't be that vulnerable. The woman will feel unsafe and unprotected. And I even thought, you know, that could make her feel a little bit, oh no, you know, because, you know, she's a tough woman. She grew up eight out of 10 kids, poverty, Guadalajara, Mexico. She's been beat up, beat on by everybody in her life, family, neighbors, and she's tough. I mean, she, she goes to the gym two hours a day. She's done my thighs. She's done kickboxing. I don't pick fights with her. And, and, and but you know, a couple of times when I've had some serious illness and even close to death a few years ago, it just, I could tell it just devastated her just because like, oh no, you know, he's, he's going away. So I, I mentioned this morning, I think I'm a little depressed. That's all I said. Didn't go into details. Don't have a lot of energy. And I, and I even thought that's probably about as much information as I need to give her. We get back and um, I, 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 I had a call. I got off the call this morning and there was uh, two plates of fruit sitting out on the bar and she was all dressed up. She was going out to have breakfast with her girlfriends. There's a, 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 a plate of fresh cut pineapple, a plate of fresh cut uh, uh, papaya. And she goes, I, di I did this 
for you? And I said, thank you. I love it. I, I, that's, that's great. I'm so appreciative. And she says, you know, I'm always thinking about you. And I go, I know that. I know how much you love me. And she goes, and I, I'm all dressed up because, you know, I always want to look good for you. And I said, yeah, I know that. I appreciate that. And, and so uh, she went out and then um, I, I texted her after my phone call. I said, I'm going to hit the gym. And we have a gym in the house. So I got got my video on, did my workout because I haven't felt well. I haven't worked out for about a week and a half. And she always kind of gets on my case if I don't work out much. So she comes back and I said, I got my workout in. I said, yeah, I think I'm feeling a little better. She goes, because you got in the gym? I said, no, because you made me fruit. And, you know, mm -hmm. I, I kind of put it back, you know, thank you for loving on me. So the point is, yeah, a woman does want to know, I'm struggling a little bit with this. Do they want us to sit and just kind of, you know, give them the whole story? No, they, 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 they really don't. Now, again, where do you find that tipping point? Uh, you can usually watch it in their body language when, when you've gone too far with it. They actually kind of get bored and want to withdraw. So mm -hmm. I tell guys, have good guy friends. Have good men in your life. And I do. When I'm struggling, there's other men. In fact, I told my best friend last night in a voice message. He, he said, I'm kind of coming out of my months-long funk. And I go, I had a week-long funk. And I said, I think I'm starting to come out of it. I tell other people, other guys about that. And, and then I can just give my wife kind of the guy version of it. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I made an episode a long time ago called The Captain Can't Complain. So if you're leading the relationship and you're, you know, imagine you're the captain of the ship and you're heading yeah. into a storm. If you bring the whole crew together and say, oh my God, I don't know if I'm oh, going to get through this. <laughs> uh, oh, geez, I don't, I'm not really sure we're going to be able to survive. They're going to be looking for the, the next exit off that boat and they'd be right to do it. But you obviously can't hide the fact that there's a squall coming. So the idea yeah. is to forth, you know, directly face the issue, talk about what's going to be done to address the issue and instill hope that we're going to get through it together. I think yeah. that's kind of the recipe beautiful, for doing that. Beautiful illustration. And it kind of felt like that's the way it was with my wife. I just said, mm. I'm just feeling a little bit depressed and didn't go in a lot of detail. You know, she kind of contributed by cutting some fruit. I took care of me by getting in the gym and get a workout in. I'm getting out of the shower, you know, and she says, are you feeling better? I said, yeah, you know, thanks for the fruit. So, you know, we worked together, but no, I didn't dump that on her that she had to figure out how to get her husband over this temporary depression. And you know, I took responsibility for it. A lot just, of this. Just telling her I got to the gym, I know always makes her more attracted to me. <laughs> a lot of the advice about self-improvement for men, it, it kind of feels ultimately like Buddhism at its core in the sense that like people often go to Buddhism because they want to escape suffering, right? And the Buddha says, well, the root of suffering is desire. Well, and the desire to escape suffering is a desire. So like, yeah. it's this kind of a paradox. So if you say, well, the way to, to get with women is to not care to get with women. So it's like, okay, if I stop caring, then I will get the women. It's just, yeah. it, it doesn't quite make I, sense. I, I don't actually teach that. Uh, I, I actually do quote the Buddha at times, but I don't teach it. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't teach indifference. Um, and, and, and Buddha didn't teach indifference either. He, he taught non-attachment, which might not be the same thing. Um, I, 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 I define it differently. Yeah, I, I, I talk about being outcome agnostic. So, for example, you know, I, I, I talk to this. Well, another way I put it is being equally okay with every possible outcome. Sure. So I'm talking to a woman in public. It, for me, being non-attached is, again, I'm, I'm, I'm outcome agnostic. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to put action into this. If it goes somewhere, great. If it doesn't go anywhere, great. I'm mm -hmm. equally okay with either outcome. 
That I don't call indifference. Indifference would be, I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to even bother, right? I I, okay. I, I, I'm a big fan of taking action, but taking action that's not tied to, it's got to turn out this way or it was a waste or, because that just, you know, I, I'll often quote the Buddhist as the Buddhist says that the attachment is the cause of all suffering. And then I add for guys, it's also the cause of all anxiety. As soon as I get attached, I want that pretty girl to give me a phone number. Your anxiety level's just gone up and you've made her the alpha because she's the decider. And that's not going to play very well. That will not come across as outcome indifferent or outcome, excuse me, agnostic. Fair enough. But I can still imagine that there's at least some guys out there who are thinking, maybe not even consciously, but thinking, okay, so if I'm just outcome agnostic, then I will get the girl, then it will work. So let's let's address that issue, not about outcome agnostic, but about guys. Okay. okay. I love working with guys. My my entire business, my career, my life is built around working with men. I was a marriage therapist for, for 25 plus years. Once Norma, Mr. Nice Guy came out, 20 plus years ago, my business has just moved towards working with guys. I love working with guys. Mm -hmm. You can take the big stick out and smack guys upside the head, get their attention and say, what the fuck were you thinking? And they'll go, thank you. <laughs> that you can helps. be very direct. I've never, I've never, I've worked, I work exclusively with men in my private practice. And I can't tell you how many guys are, when they first meet with them, they're like, don't sugarcoat it. Tell me the ugly truth. I need someone to, to knock yeah. some sense into me. It's so refreshing. Guys would do that. Yeah, I can't do that with women. Uh, I heard oh, Terry Reel, who's a pretty well-known marriage and family therapist and a feminist, say one time, you can't begin with the woman in marriage counseling because she'll leave. The guy, you can. You can take the big stick out to the guy and he goes, thanks. You know, nobody's ever put it that way before. Mm. I mm. love that about men. Men also drive me fucking crazy <laughs> trying to trying to run a business. You know, they, they won't read the instructions. You know, they, if, if they can be confused, they will be. If they can misinterpret something, they will. If, if something can be turned black and white, they'll make it black and white. They get no sense of context. I'll have guys say, Robert, I heard on one podcast you said this, but on another podcast you said that. That's a contradiction. And I'll go, what was I talking about on the first podcast? Well, I think you were talking to a guy that like just reads self-help books 24-7. I said, okay, stop reading self-help books. And but what was the context of the other one? Oh, it's a guy that's never, you know, like even asked himself, who am I? I said, well, okay, read a book, whatever. Well, that's just a dumb example. But, but if guys can do that, they will. And that is why they are a sucker. That's why men are suckers for all the bullshit pushed to them on the internet. I think we passed the 15 minute mark. So we'll bring in that, you know, everything, for example, you know, these long websites to say, you know, the, use these six tricks to get every, you know, outrageously hot woman to take her clothes off instantly and get with you. Guys believe that and we'll read the That's whole wild. thing and we'll click on the click funnel and then we'll, then we'll go through the upsell. And I go, because we all know what the advantages of having a, a, a crazy hot woman, right? Like we just, we all know what the advantage of that is. I don't know. Actually explain it to me. What is the advantage of having a crazy hot woman in your life? Uh, I've had some, I, 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 I won't preach the advantages of it, 
But we all assume men want that. And then just men say, give me the technique. I'll do the technique. How come the technique isn't working? I must not be attractive enough. Or women must all be X, Y, or Z because of that. So I'm going to go be an incel or go my own way or join a red pill clan or do this because all women are that way. And, and so this is the stuff we run into with men. I love working with men, but you're going to always run into that black and white. Well, I heard this. It must be true. And the other thing we'll do is we're constantly searching for more information. It's not like we have enough information to actually apply it and go out. Some guy on, on, on my online forum the other day said, Robert, basically what he said is, Robert, can you reconcile what you teach about relationship with what John Gottman teaches about relationship with what Red Pill teaches about relationship? I've been reading and I go, stop stop don't do that you're gonna make it you're making yourself crazy i said there's probably some overlap between me john gottman and red pill and i said and we're saying very different things for very different reasons and if you want me to try to come make them all work together in your mind i'm not going to do it don't you even try but that's what guys will do we're always looking for that next shiny thing that's going to be the trick that makes everything work because no one's ever taught us you know, you have to work at something. You have to actually, you know, bring your A game. You got to show up with your lunch pail. You got to go through the difficult things. You got to learn to deal with tension, with anxiety, and learn to soothe yourself, and learn to ground yourself, and let go of these attachments to outcome that are causing your suffering. Because again, there's so, there's so many quick, easy fixes out there on the internet that, yeah, let me go pay my money. Let me go pay my money. Because, you know, this guy tells me it's going to work. And anyway, there's my little rant about I, how much I love guys and working with guys, because I really do. I hear you. Um, one thing that I found in my own experience as I went through my self-development uh, process about 10 years ago is that some of the nice guys are right with respect to honesty. When When nice guys are dishonest, when they're hiding their intentions, when they're executing the covert contracts, they usually get rejected the vast majority of time, but they tend to get rejected nicely. What I've found is that when you, when you start being more authentic, when you start being more honest about your intentions, and when you start being, let's say, more, well, I, I guess it, I'm not quite yet at I wasn't quite yet at the outcome agnosticism, but I, women will reject you, not all of them. Some of them will accept you, but they'll reject you much more forcefully. Good. It's like, I've, I've never, I've never been so, hmm, how do I put this? The, the people who have hurt me the most in life were, oh, have been women who realized they weren't going to get what they wanted from me. Okay. How'd they hurt you? Oh, uh, with with yelling and screaming, verbal oh. abuse, uh, destroying property, false allegations, spreading rumors, reputation destruction, things like that. What did that have to? I mean, I'm, I'm actually confused. What did that have to do with you being pr uh, truthful and upfront? Um, what I what I'm suggesting is that when when you're when you're nice, you tend to not get what you want, but you often don't get, um, you, you don't get like the vindictiveness. The, the crazies? <laughs> kind of. You know, I, I, I don't know. That's not been my experience. The nicer I was, the crazier the women I attracted because I put up with it. I put up with it. 
here, let me back up just a little bit. When you mentioned the rejection, I'm a big fan of rejection. Um, I, I, I preach it in, in, in my materials for dating is, is if we're going to have an intention, the, if the intention is, I want that girl to like me, I want that girl to give me a phone number. That probably is going to lead to suffering, to manipulation, to, you know, to you being less than direct. But if your intention is to, I call it get to rejection quickly in business is called fail forward, fail fast, that, that kind of mentality, just go for it, go all in with it and see, you know, see what happens. I have found that, yeah, if I'm just fully me, don't hold anything back. You know, I, one of the things I teach guys, and again, guys want to turn everything into a technique. I, I teach something I call the three T's, touch, tease, and tell. I don't, I never meant it to be a technique, but guys will always look, teach us more about how to touch, teach us more about how to tease. I go, no, that's just a reminder. Don't hold back. If you have the impulse to touch her, touch her. If you have the impulse to tease her, be playful. If you have the impulse to, to, to tell her what to do, do it. Don't hold back. Act on impulse. Be you. Don't hold anything about you back. Now, the more you're not being you and, and the more you're being you and not holding anything back, you will find out really quickly how that lands. And that's what you want to know. If you're being nice and using covert contracts and what I call nice guy seduction of doing things for her, listening to her for hours and then, you know, paying off her carpet, whatever it is, you can never find out is she into you or not. But if you actually don't hold back by practicing what I call that getting to rejection quickly, you can let go of your crush. You can let go of whatever unrealistic fantasy you had about her and move the fuck on and open the door for somebody that's actually going to come into your life and treat you well. Now, the women who are vindictive and treat you badly. Now, I, I've been there, too. But the truth of it is that's a boundary issue of, of, of a problem that when a guy's trying to get a woman to like them, they tend to ignore those red flags early on. They see the bad behaviors early on. But my, my tendency in a lot of nice guys, my superpower is talking a woman down through and over and getting her back to good. And so unfortunately, if I do that in those early warning signs, it keeps me hanging out with a woman that I'm going to keep seeing a worse and worse side of her. And when a woman lashes out and acts vindictive towards you, I'm going to venture a guess there were probably warning signs that a guy saw that he ignored prior to that. It rarely comes completely out of the blue. It's you possible. Know? And certainly if she didn't run out of the door, I showed her the door very soon afterwards. I guess my point is I'm, I'm agreeing with you in the sense that the more you come into yourself, the more you come into your masculine, the more you're not afraid to want what you want and to live your life as you see fit. I would say a, a proportion of women become much more attracted to you. And when, if and when you do not give some of those women what they want, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. They don't really seem to care when the men that they're not attracted to don't give them what they want. That's why I think the nice guys get rejected <laughs> get more point. softly. Do you understand? I, 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 I get that point. Um, and I, I, still don't, I still don't think I'd want to do it any other way. Um, mm. I, I heard a quote. Uh, I, was, I was at a conference uh, uh, years ago with David Data. Uh, he wrote the book, Way of the Superior Man. Probably you know, a lot of men have heard of that. He made a comment that I had to ponder for a little bit and then it just really landed. But he said, choose a woman who chooses you. Absolutely. 
And what happens is you probably seen guys go out. Well, I'm, I'm choosing that woman because she's hot. And, and, but she hasn't chosen us. And now we're doing all these things, jumping through hoops, trying to get her to like us, buying her stuff, whatever, whatever our typical way of seduction is to try to get her to choose us. I see married men do this. I did it in, in a previous marriage. Guys will say, uh, Dr. Glover, you know, we've been married for over 15 years. My wife hadn't, hasn't wanted to have sex since our kid was born 12 years ago. How can I, you know, turn her on and make her want to have sex? I go, I think your wife quit choosing you a long time ago. And, and you're still trying to get her to choose you. You know, I've tried everything. So if we choose a woman who chooses us, now a lot of guys, again, going back to that nice guy thing, or just the guy thing, guys will say, well, but I want the hot ones. And only the, women, the only women that seem to choose me are kind of the fat older ones that I don't really want. And, and I go, okay, I, I get it. I'm not going to argue that point. But that's not been my experience. My experience is if I've been out there being me. I'll keep coming back to that. Being me, living my life on my terms, not chasing any woman, not trying to get any woman to like me, and especially not trying to get any woman to have sex with me. That's a point where a lot of guys run into trouble is we're hiding our sexual agenda while pushing the sexual agenda all at the same time. And, and I, I tell guys, if you've got your foot on the gas and her foot's still on the brake, the more you put your foot on the gas, the more her foot's going on the brake. Sure. So trying to get any woman to have sex is usually what, what how guys you know end up a hashtag me too casualty is we're trying to push an agenda rather than when the woman has chosen us, she will let us know without a doubt she's ready. Mm -hmm. She's open. Take me. Right. So I, I, I want that kind of woman. Now, is that kind of woman maybe going to be disappointed in me if I don't choose her back? Yeah, there's that possibility. But I also found that only seemed to happen if I was maybe in some way either leading her on or didn't end something when it needed to be ended. Because like when I first started dating, because I hadn't had a lot of sex in my second marriage, and I, had, I wasn't particularly experienced before marriage. I said, I'm going to say yes to every sexual opportunity. And I did. And I went through what I call my, my integrated man whore stage. And I, I was just consciously saying yes and consciously letting women know I was not exclusive. Now, you can tell a woman that and they can know it intellectually. But once they're, you know, once they feel that attraction or once they're once they're hooked, um, it, it's kind of like they forget that, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> the, the chemistry takes over, the chemicals take over. And I found that if I kept those going on just because, well, you know, I'm getting late, you know, regular, but I knew I did not want what I had a growing sense she wanted. I learned after a few kind of rough experiences in that rather sooner rather than later to where it did not keep going on because it was convenient and enjoyable for me. But yet I realized she was getting a deeper connection than I was. Hmm. Um, so I just took that on me. It, 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 it saved me a lot of messes further down the road. I hear what you're saying. You might be right. I do think that potentially means that you're taking, you know, agency away from the woman in the sense that if she's not getting what she wants, why wouldn't her be her responsibility to take herself out of that arrangement? But, but so, they, they don't, necessarily. Yeah. they don't yeah, count on I that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I say this in one of my episodes. People don't want what they want. Uh, so people want what they want, not what wants them. And so you can't get someone to like you by liking them more. 
And one of the worst things that you can do is to start doing things for someone to try to increase their desire for you. In fact, yeah. the research suggests that if you actually want someone to like you more, you should ask them to do things for you. What's the term for that? There's a, there's a psychological term based on like a present is not the Coolidge effect, but there's another <laughs> where somebody, you know, there's a term for it. I can't remember the the the, the term given to that. Well, yeah, way- psychologically, if somebody, if you ask somebody, they do something for you, they have to justify in their mind exactly. that if I'm doing this for this person, I I I, I must value them. Yeah, I don't do things for any old joker. I don't usually yeah. go out of my way for people. So why am I exactly. doing it for Orion? Oh, I must think he's an interesting guy. I must have some. Uh, the, and and we'll talk ourselves into it. You know, and whether they're not that lasts very long, I don't know. But yeah, you you hit the nail on it. I tell nice guys this: the more you do for a woman, all that's probably going to do is create more expectation that you're going to do stuff for her. It doesn't create a deeper like uh, or attraction on her part. Yeah, let's talk about this, Robert, because um, I I teach that the most common male sexual strategy is to be a taxi cab. In the sense that they show like up, that. they roll up to the woman and say, hey, sweetheart, where do you want to go? I'll take you wherever you want to go. Come on. You want to go to Dubai? You want to go to Miami? You want to go to Vegas? You want diamonds? You want meals? You want drinks? I'm here to make it happen. And a lot of women will get in that cab. Yeah. And the guys will drive around for a while, maybe for years. And then one day they might turn around and say, hey, you know, We've been going to where you wanted to go for quite some time. Do you think maybe you could get up here and drive me somewhere? And that woman's going to get the fuck out of that cab because that's not how cabs work. Can you imagine if a cab driver (laughs) actually did that in real life? Just say, pull over here. Let me off at this corner. That's good. So when you do start off, when when your primary relationship strategy is I'm here to serve you, well, that's what she's signing up for. And it would be kind of a breach of contract almost if you were to change that further down the road or mid trip. Like it, I can well, understand it, why, why women would bounce at that point. Well, it is because, you know, I've worked with nice guys for 30 years. And so for example, if a guy who's been being that nice guy in a long-term relationship, you know, doing everything she wanted, sacrificing his wants and needs, giving up all his guy friends, always being there, beck and call, and now all of a sudden, you know, he reads my book or he comes to therapy with me or, or whatever. And he starts realizing I need to say, no, I need to have boundaries. I need to make my needs a priority. I, I need to fill my own bucket. I need to ask for what I want. And he starts doing that. Oh, it's going to be hard. Uh, you know, when, when before I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going on memory here. This doesn't have to be accurate, but before I wrote no more, Mr. Nice guy, I would say that, you know, that when that happens, I give it about a 50-50 chance of the relationship making it. When the guy starts actually asserting himself, about 50-50 chance. Some women are going to say, finally, you you showed up. Where have you been? I've wanted, because women love my book. They love No More Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, there's been no at all negative blowback from women. They want the man to show up. Most mm-hmm. do, right? Mm-hmm. So, then as I, I was writing No More Mr. Nice Guy, I think in the book I might have said, I think maybe it's about more like 60-40 now that 60% of the relationships won't make it. I think by the time that I finished writing No More Mr. Nice Guy, 70-30, let's go about 80-20 now, that if the guy changes the fundamental contract of the relationship, maybe 20% of the time the woman's going to go, 
you know, this may be a challenge. It's going to be a struggle. I'm in though, because I think you're amazing and I want to be with you. But a lot are going to fall away just because they got comfortable with how they thought things were supposed to be, even if it wasn't what they wanted. Because sure. I don't think most of the women actually want to get into the back seat of a taxi driver and have the guy do things for them constantly. But a lot of times the woman's not going to say no to everything the guy wants to do. But then after a while, it starts to feel like the norm. And the wait, you're going to take that away from me now? Yeah, that's when yeah. you get the reaction. Easiest way to make a baby cry is to give it a lollipop and then take it away. And so even though they <laughs> might not have wanted <laughs> even even if they might not have wanted a lollipop, I don't think lollipops are that great for babies, right? Um, they've gotten used to it. It's sweet. And now you've given a taste for something that they're going right. to not be experiencing for a while. And that's really the guy's fault because he's trained the woman to expect that kind of behavior exactly. and treatment over those years. And I say it always gets worse before it gets better because you have to deal with the extinction bursts that come when you try to modify behavior in a pre-existing dynamic. 80-20, I think, is probably generous. <laughs> we could keep evolving the numbers. Almost <laughs> e always easier to just do the right thing from the beginning than to try you to know, fix something. I, I I I agree, but how many of us know to do that? You know, I I I joke that uh, no, I don't joke. I tell the truth. I had a PhD in marriage and family therapy at 29 years old, and I bumbled my way through my three marriages. And you know what? I think most of us just are going to bump. We're going to bumble our way through life. Uh, I I think that's what happens. Now, hopefully, we we can get some good guides, some good mentors, some good initiation, some good instruction. Um, but again, kind of going back to you know. There's so much unhelpful stuff out there available now is that men often don't know what to pick. Like I said, you know, can how 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 do I make you know Dr. Glover, John Gottman, and Red Pill all fit together? And and you know, guys are trying to do that. So they don't know what's the good information. And and usually the most prominent information is the one that uh, applies to appeals to their most base, easy, how's what's the easiest way to make this happen? Nature. I hear that, and I, I believe that all those clickbaity programs that you mentioned earlier exist because they work. People are buying them, yeah. not necessarily because they work, but because people are buying them. No, but, they work. They work because they sell product. That's what I mean. They work. I see. Okay. For me personally, I've never, I've never used one of those. I've never gone down that funnel. But I think, for me, what was the source of the greatest misunderstanding about women when I was younger was just the mass media and the culture, yeah. uh, movies, pop songs, of course. literature. There's this great play. I don't know if you read a lot of drama, but it's called Boy Gets Girl by Rebecca Gilman. She's a very talented playwright. Have you heard of this, Robert? I'm not. Um, it's an interesting kind of a thriller because what happens is that there's a guy who is trying to court a woman and he, he basically starts to act like the men in romantic comedies do. And he like buys billboards to declare his love and shows up <laughs> with the speaker underneath them. And like people don't know what to do with him. It eventually turns, he starts to like follow her around and, and stalk her a little bit. And so it starts to go into a dark place. But the, the core premise of the book is he's doing what society is telling him men are supposed to do to get the woman. Right. And let me tell you, that shit does not work. And why so, do we keep telling men well, to do ha, that shit? Ha, ha, ha. You know, because it sells. It sells. You know, the women buy the romantic comedies. You know, they 
do, do, do they really want the guy standing out under the window with the speaker blasting your eyes? But, you know. Well, how does that work? How do they, they buy the fantasy, but they don't want it in reality? That's interesting. How much have you hung around women? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. You know, when they're watching all those daytime dramas and they're watching all the nighttime dramas, you know, and they're, they're written, you know, they're, they're, they're watching, watching um, um, Grey's Anatomy. That's just the dumbest ass show I've ever seen in my life. You know, Kardashians, just the dumbest ass show. And, and women flock to that. They're not seeking out reality. But even think about it. When we watch adventure flicks, you know, whether it's, you know, it's Tom Cruise or Sly or, or, you know, Vin Diesel, are we looking for reality? No, we're looking for entertainment and escape. But but so when we start mistaking entertainment and escape for reality, that's when we're going to start having problems. Well, what do you think about this? I'm, I made an episode a long time ago called The Part That Women Always Leave Out. Because if okay. you ask a woman what she's looking for in a man, you'll hear yeah. things like, oh, I want somebody who's kind. Or I want somebody who is, uh, you know, great with kids. I want somebody who respects me. And a lot of guys are thinking, okay, well, I can I can do those things. Why am sure. I not having the success that I would like with women? And I think it's because the part that women always leave out is they want those things, but they want them from the men they're already attracted to. Yeah. And, and so and, that's and, the key. And, and it's even, not like being those things make a woman <laughs> attracted to you. She just wants those traits in the men that she's attracted to. And so that's the part that men need to hear. Well, you, you've probably even seen the studies that say, you know, women will be married to that guy that's stable and, you know, creates a household. And then when they're ovulating, they're attracted to something totally different. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 can't, I can't bring this up as an accurate statistic, but I, re, I recall reading before that statistically, 30% of children in monogamous intact marriages, 30% of the kids are not biologically the husband of the woman. I heard 10%. 30% is really 10. high, but okay. Well, all right. Go, even 10% so, is even really split high. The, split the difference, right? It, and, and, and what's that saying is that, yeah, again, I said earlier, you know, women can be attracted to drug dealers, to guys in prison. They're... they're what the women don't tell. Well, let's even back this further up. Some some really cool research that that uh, I, I came across a while ago is a university of, uh, is in Canada. It's a Canadian study where they studied a lot of people around sexual arousal, and they hooked up men and women, you know, of of all sexual orientations, hooked the man the man up to measure engorgement in his genitals and the women as well, and and they gave them a button and then they showed them videos, okay, and. The, the the men were really, believe it or not, very white bread uh, and very predictable and what but what they both physiologically responded to and and what they pushed the button. Basically, heterosexual guys were attracted to heterosexual sex with some threesomes thrown in. And they were conscious it. of their arousal. That's kind of your they point. Were, they were conscious of their arousal. Mm -hmm. Heter a gay men were attracted to you know gay sex. What 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 got reported in all the media was the part of the study that that's had women had surprisingly this really wide variety uh, uh, response to sexual fantasy or, you know, wh whether it was, you know, men of the opposite sex, female sex, sex with gorillas. You know, there, there, it, it, it was at all the extremes mm -hmm. that the women were having a response to. And that's what the media reported on. I went and found the original study because I'm that kind of person. I want to say, well, really, what was here? 
there was another significantly, um, statistically significant finding that none of the popular media reported. And there was a significantly st statistical significant difference between what the woman's body was responding to and what her finger pushed. Yeah, With men, that. there wasn't. We're, we're, we're pretty predictable. With the women, their body was turned on by one thing, but they didn't push the button. Or they pushed the button, said they're turned on, by their but their body wasn't. And in that, I tell men, don't listen to what women tell you of what they want and what they're attracted to. So when they say, I want a nice guy, part of the month, part of them really does believe that. Another part of the month is, oh, I just got to get fucked by, you know, it's, it's and I'm, I'm making it maybe an exaggeration, but maybe not that far. Okay. No. So don't buy into what your sister tells you they want, what your mother says women want, what even, you know, the nice girls that you're seeking the approval from, don't buy into what they tell you that they want. Watch what they do. Watch. And, and, and unfortunately, that's when men go to that point of, well, they're just attracted to like the alpha males and the bad boys. Because again, we just get that funnel vision. They do like vision. bad boys, though. That's I'm not. I, but when when the men go, well, they're only attracted. No, that's and, not true. And I could tell guys, you can actually be a decent guy, a decent human being and still create bad boy energy yep. in, in attraction in women. And, and, it, and it can be pretty simple, you know, not being too available. Right. Not giving them gifts, asking them to do something for you. They're just little tricks that create that same kind of energy that the bad boys create without you having to be an asshole. OK, that's interesting because I've shared similar tips on my channel and often the push. It's generally well received, but probably the most common pushback is something on the lines of, oh, Orion, you know, you've you've made it. This is manipulative. Uh, shouldn't I just be myself? Like, why do I have to play these games in order to keep a woman interested in me? What would you say to that? I'm saying what that guy's really saying is he doesn't want to put any work into getting what he says he wants. He's just <laughs> as deceitful as the woman who says, I want a nice guy. He says, I want a woman, but don't ask me to really work on myself or actually work at doing things that actually makes me attractive to women. I really just want to play video games and surf the internet and jack off to porn. Please don't ask me to actually work on myself. Hmm. That's what I would say to that. Again, guys say they want a lot of stuff, just like women say they want a lot of stuff. Wanting is free. It costs nothing to want. There you go. So, you know, and, and then guys, you know, then I'll get the other thing from guys. They'll say, okay, Robert, here's a contradiction. You say, you know, work on these things in you and they will make you attractive. Then they'll go, that's a contradiction because now it sounds like you're trying to do things to get women to be attracted to you. And I go, okay, let's take a breath here. There are side effects of you working on you, positive side effects. If you work on you, because you want to live your best life. You want to get out of your comfort zone. You want to live at your edge. You want to level up to the best version of you. You want your best life. You want adventure. You want opportunity. You want fun. If you do the things that, 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 that require focus and effort and discipline and consistency to do those things, I found there's this side effect over here that all of a sudden you notice a lot of women are checking you out. A lot of women are sending you those indicators of interest that all the gurus out there get so wrong. 
oh, she's twirling her hair. That's a, No, it's not. That's an indicator of a stupid woman. Stupid women twirl their hair. That's not an indicator of, oh, she crossed her ankles. Oh, give me a break. Come on. No. When, when they lean over and give you a cleavage shot, there's an indicator of interest. When they walk in front of you three times for no reason, that's an indicator of interest. When they touch your arm, when they laugh at your dumb jokes, those are indicators of interest. When they, My wife taught me this one. When they jut a hip, that's primate behavior. Primates mm. jut their hips to show they're ready, they're receptive for, for, for sexual intercourse. We're fucking primates. But 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 we think that, oh, you know, whatever we think that women are or aren't, we ignore their actual indicators of interest because either we think they want they're not sending that to me or I'm not I'm not alpha enough for them to want me. But they are that. And that's what when when I got really successful at getting with women is because I started actually understanding their indicators of interest. And it isn't what all the pickup dudes teach you. I'm not watching, are their eyes constricting or dilating or not? That's too much work. But when I actually worked at me, getting out of my house, being a social animal, overcoming you know, my social anxieties and discomfort, talking to people, being bold, being brave, being funny, not holding back, you know, living life on my terms, saying, come on, let's go do this. When I started being that, all of a sudden, a lot of women were choosing me. And I thought, wow, this is this is really pretty interesting. I didn't have to do anything to try to get them to like me. I was just out having a good time on my own. And all of a sudden, they're paying attention. Do you think, well, uh, you wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy 20 years ago, you said? Yeah, long before I knew any of the stuff you and I are talking about. What was the trajectory there? Like, did you experience some, that was even before, not before the entire internet, but before the internet kind of as we know it. Did you experience some fame as a consequence of that book? Um, not not early on. I I I I may be just coming into my fame, well, perhaps. Well deserved. You know, what whatever you think, some, you think that has something to do with it? With what? The the effortlessness with which you attract women no, these days? When in when I was dating, well, yeah, nowadays, um, I, I don't know. All my, my my wife points out all the women who I seem to be attracting nowadays. Um, I, I actually am not interested in and in not paying all that much attention until, you know, she gets mad at me and says, that woman was flirting with you. And I go, that's my fault. How you have a man that women want, you know, you, you're not complaining sure. about that, are you? Um, I don't actually respond exactly like that. But that's the you know, bottom line. No, when, when I like to say when I was in my late 40s and 50s, and started having this kind of success. Um, I'd gotten out of a, a, a long, bad marriage. I, I hadn't been sexual for very long, uh, very much for very long. I was actually coming off antidepressants that had kind of killed sex drive and erections. Mm. I, I, I went through a bankruptcy. Um, I was driving a Subaru. An it's, old only, Subaru. it's only going to get up from there. Yeah, yeah. It's only, yeah. only going to get better. And in spite of all of that, you know, I was out in public. I was having a good time. I was going to listen to live jazz. I was eating in happy hour, hours at, at, at restaurant bars. I was talking to the people around me. I still know bartenders that I met 20 years ago and got to know them by name. And, you know, even getting to know bartenders, you know, good stuff happens. They bring you drinks and stuff they poured that, you know, the oh, person sure. didn't want. Dating and bartenders is fun too. I, 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 
I was going to say, I, I've never dated a bartender, but oh, they're dangerous. I, th I think I have. <laughs> oh yeah. But there's a reason there's bartenders. Um, but that kind of, you know, I, I'm not so much engaged in that kind of behavior anymore. You know, I'm kind of more of a homebody. I'm home, you know, working on my stuff, working with guys, um, taking the dog for a walk, stuff like that. But when I was going, when I was having that heyday of my integrated man whore phase, I did not, you know, I was even, I'd even gotten kind of chubby. I was, you know, a little bit overweight and there was nothing out of the ordinary special about me. And I was still having women, you know, hit on me, proposition me, get naked on first dates. And, you know, I, I, I tell the story, I haven't told this one in a while. I had sex with four different women in one weekend. All of them knew I wasn't exclusively having sex with Where them. were you when, when this happened in the where, world? Where, where was I what? What state did I live in? Or Yeah, or what country? Uh, I was in uh, Bellevue, Washington. Actually. No kidding. Wow. Bellevue, All Washington. Right. Can you can you please define this term for me that you've used a couple of times, the integrated man whore phase? Can can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about that? You know what it is it's quite simply, I've already given you the core components, is that I made the decision to say yes to every sexual opportunity that presented itself. Even if she wasn't a 10, even if she was, you know, I, I fucked a few fatties. Uh I quickly me, that's, that's the man whore part. So what's the integrated man whore part? Is that I was very conscious about it. Um, uh, practice safe sex. I let the women know this was not the beginning of a relationship. I see. The, the women know that, you know, if, if you meet them somewhere and they go home with you, they know that's not the beginning of a good relationship. They know they want to get fucked and you do too. So I was very conscious and integrated, very truthful. I mentioned earlier, I also learned to end those relationships in a timely way and not let them go on to where they became uh, disruptive or ugly, uh, cause the woman was starting to want something that I didn't. Uh, so I was very conscious about it. So integrated me. I was telling the truth. I was paying attention. I was acting very lovingly and open-hearted to the women. One of the, one of the things I know the women liked is that when they were with me, I treated them like, you know, they were the only woman on the planet. You know, I sure. treated them like they like they were, they were a princess and a porn star all at the same time. And, and, uh, uh, a quick story. I when I met my wife down here in Mexico, like I said, she she asked me if I wanted a massage, and we started dating. For our first year of dating, she just came to my apartment every Saturday night, and we had sex. And and you know that's it worked for both of us. That's all we really wanted. And I remember one time, fairly early on, we're having sex, and it was just wild and crazy, good stuff. And you know, again, not holding back, I I told her in Spanish, "Tú eres mi puta mexicana." You're my Mexican whore. As soon as the words came out of my mouth, I thought this could go really wrong. This could go very south, very sore. Um, and she got more excited, more turned on. I thought, you know, here's this patriarchal white dude in Mexico fucking this poor Mexican woman and saying, you're my Mexican whore. And she told me later, I don't remember if it was like that night or soon after, you know, because we, we'd already kind of. We, I, I like nicknames. I like giving women nicknames. And a lot of women seem to like, you know, that playful nickname stuff. She told me, that's my favorite nickname is when you call me Tuputa Mexicana. She, she, to this day, you know, if I tell her, oh, you're looking really puta today, you know, you know, she, <laughs> that's her greatest compliment. You know, if I say you look really nice, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I'm boring. Oh, mm -hmm. baby. Malgus means ass in Spanish. Mm. 
They, they, they made us muy puta. Me encanta. Yeah, you're looking really, really whore. I, I, I love it. That's, that's amazing. That's, for her, for her, that's a turn on. Now, guys, don't go do that with every woman you meet, thinking it worked for Dr. Glover <laughs> and his Mexican wife. Um, don't don't be black and white thinking, just plug that in. But But kind of going back to the point, it was just me not holding anything back. And like the whole time that my then girlfriend, you know, we're seeing each other. She just knew the whole situation. We're seeing each other once a month for having sex or once a week for having sex. There was no more, you know, oh, it's, it's this, not that, you know, there wasn't anything more to it. It was just real clear. It's very conscious, very integrated. Well, I think that's because everything that you say and do gets filtered through a woman's attraction. So oh, if she likes you and her attraction is very high, you could say something completely nonsensical and she'd think you're just being silly. And that's one of your best qualities. And if she's not, she's going to think that you had an aneurysm and you need to go to yeah. the hospital. So, you I, know, what I, really matters is how she feels about you. And she's kind of already made I a agree. decision about how she feels about you in advance of really much of anything, oh, usually. Oh, you know, I think we've seen those statistics too, that probably, well, they say in the first three seconds, a woman knows if there's a possibility she might sleep with you. And then while we guys are spending three months you know, doing the nice guy seduction, they decided in the first three seconds, they're not getting naked with us, right? Mm -hmm. Again, the mistakes that, that, that men made. So I tell guys, and again, guys could probably misspin this one as well. If a woman is into you, you almost can't fuck that up. And if she's not into you, there's almost nothing you can do to, to, to switch that around either. That's just reality. And like, like you said, you know, I, I call her Mexican whore. Like that, that was a plus, right? There's That wasn't going to fuck it up because she was into me. Yeah, a woman who's 10 out of 10 attracted to a guy will do scary things. She will Ooh, hide talking, the body. She will lie to <laughs> the cops. You're talking about my wife. You're talking about my <laughs> wife. She, she, she's, she's scary fun. That's great. Robert, we're coming up on time. I'd like to know a little bit more about your, is it fair to say community? Community, that's what we call it. I, I jokingly, playfully call it the Gloverhood. Um, yeah, Integration Nation is, is a, a men's program that I launched in July of 2023. Um, I, I'm just a big believer men need community. We need tribe. My most significant growth processes have happened when I was in community once kind of early on in my 30s, about five, six years in a men's group. And then even just recently, about a year into my marriage with my wife, I realized I needed community. I needed men sure, down yeah. in Mexico, having to speak Spanish. Um, and so I, I went looking and I found a men's program that had been in for the last six years. I'm now surrounded with men. I've got calls I have every week with guys that I know. And so I'm a big believer in community. And so, you know, somebody mentioned to me, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, Robert, you should start, you know, a, a men's membership program. And, you know, make your, your product available, all your content. And so that's what we've been working on. We're still a work in process. We're still way to go. But in, in July of 23, we launched the community part of Integration Nation. And, um, you know, we, we have up to nine um, virtual calls a week that guys can jump on every Thursday, including today, in about two hours. Uh, no. Less than an hour and a half, I'll be on a community call for Integration Nation. I'll teach a lesson. Today, tonight's lesson will be about how to get your needs met. How how, how to get your needs met without being needy, right? Um, Nine calls so, a week, that's a lot. I, I, I'm doing one of them. Uh, and I've certified coaches that, that lead seven others. And we have a couple, you know, webinars we do a couple months. So up to nine calls a week. 
Uh, we have a timeline for guys can communicate with each other. We have some other challenges that, that we'll offer. We're about to start uh, in-person meetups around the world, just casual get-togethers for guys. Uh, we're about to start some peer-led support groups as part of the program. And this is just the basic part. We're going to launch more uh, later this year. Um, so, you know, I'm just a big fan. You know, guys, you know, wherever we're struggling in life, I tend to say is probably due to a lack of good men. And I think almost anything that's not working well in our life, if we go get connected well with men, those things will start changing uh, how they look, how they're working. So. I can certainly echo what you said about how men need male community and tribe. I presented at a men's conference a few weekends ago. It was in a big room. I think there was about a hundred people in it mm -hmm. and I, and they were all men. And I could not remember the last time I had been in a room that size without a single woman in it. It was shocking. Um, and it felt so like safe and yeah. relaxing. It's not like when there were no women around, we were just saying, ah, these women, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But it was, we could talk directly. I don't think anybody was afraid that our, we were going to be misinterpreted. Right. It, it was wonderful. And I, I didn't know how much that meant to me until I was in that. I didn't know. It's like missing the sound of water when you've lived in the desert your whole life. <laughs> what you a great like, way to oh, put it. Wow. We, we, we need it. And, you know, our ancestors had it and mm. you don't know how bad you need it till like, you know, I'll, I'll do a weekend workshop here, you know, in my home and, you know, I've eight guys here and, you know, they're all strangers when they start out on Friday night by Sunday, they're like, they've been frat brothers, you know, for 20 years or they, they care about each other. They're, they're getting on zoom with each other ongoing and, and we just need it. And again, I love how you put it. You, we don't know how bad we need it till we discover it. And that was true for me. You know, most nice guys I work with, most men say, I'm more comfortable around, around women. Well, because we get validation from them. Um, but again, I'll, I'll say, I think the masculine is the source of love. If you want to really feel love, you connect with your masculine self and you connect with men. And then we can be love. We can overflow love into the world. So, Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. So Integration Nation, if you, you guys want to check it out, integrationnation.net. Um, just go sign up. We'll send you an invitation. And you know, come check out the community we're building. Like I said, it's still a work in process. Okay, so we have the community. We have the book, No More Mr. Nice, nice Guy. There's a couple of other books that you've written as well. I'm sure they can all well, be found at Amazon. Be Amazon. The, the most recent one I co-wrote called The Big Stick. Uh Tony Endelman, one of my certified coaches. This is, that's a, it's a big book. And, you know, he ended up calling it the big stick because I do say that a lot because, you know, with guys, you can take out the big stick. It's, uh, what's the right word? Not condensation, but it's, it's, it's a, he's taken everything I've taught in my courses, my podcast. Distillation, maybe. There, distillation, great word. I'll, I'll have to write that one down and use it again. It's, it covers, you know, pretty much the, the, the whole enchilada. Of what I've been teaching for about 30 years. So oh, nice. All in one stick. place. All in one place. I'll have to check that out. Any last words, Robert? Oh, thank you. This was fun. I I, I liked a little bit of push and pull between the two of you. You know, a lot of times in interviews, you know, the interviewer just tee up a lot of softballs. Um, I, I could always tell when you're going, I agree, but I kind of don't. And I, I, I enjoyed that. Thank you.
people uh, want to see you shine. So it makes sense. But yeah, I think we have a more interesting discussion if we can find points of contrast that we can work towards some sort of synthesis. Well, and even some things maybe we don't agree on, then we might That's kind of too. actually, we, we both might go, you know, I never looked at it that way. I, I love learning. Me too. Robert, this was great, man. Thanks so much for accepting my invitation. It was good to meet you. I hope we can stay in touch socially. And uh, we'll I, call that a wrap. I would welcome it. Thank you.